Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Stay tuned. In my blog post published Thursday, January 31st, entitled Vendor Master File, when an existing U.S.-based vendor changes their name or tax ID or both, I discussed how to update the vendor record when existing vendors make those changes. I'm going to continue talking about these in today's podcast by talking about the process to reactivate an inactive vendor. And it's those inactive vendors that may have had a legal name or tax tax ID changes while they were inactive and not doing business with your company. Also, don't miss the end. An Amazon Alexa command can now find the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, and I will tell you the quick five steps to listen on your Echo. The podcast is also now available on SoundCloud. Welcome to episode 16, Treat Inactive Vendors the Same as New Vendors. So in my training, I have three steps for vendor setup and maintenance. The first one is authentication, and those are techniques to confirm the data received for the vendor master file is not fraudulent. The second is validation, and that is confirmation that the vendors entered into your vendor master file are real. And then the third is management, and that is to maintain your vendor master file by performing periodic maintenance on existing vendors. And with each of those, I have techniques, best practices, and internal controls to protect your vendor master file from fraud and keep it clean. Now, vendor inactivation falls under management since it's based on reviewing existing vendors. Now, it's great that you are inactivating vendors after 12, 13, 15, 18, 24 months or whatever interval has been determined to meet your business needs because not all companies inactivate vendors. And for a few reasons, sometimes the accounting system or ERP is not configured to easily automate that process. And if it's not automated, then that means it's going to require a manual manual review, sorry about that, and those are labor intensive. And then finally, sometimes it does not go over well with internal employees. And trust me when I say, and some of you may already know this, that no matter when you inactivate vendors, there is always one vendor that if you had waited a week, they would have had new activity and would not have been inactivated. Internal employees will bring that point up. And so sometimes it's just easier to not deal with it. 
So again, there are some companies that do not inactivate their vendors that have not had activity for a period of months. And if that is your company, as you listen to this podcast, hopefully you'll identify reasons why it should be done and can um, present a business case to your leadership and your auditors. And maybe you can make 2019 the year to implement this practice. So let's start off with what makes or what the criteria is for a vendor to be considered inactive. So that is at least based on no activity in purchase orders or POs and no activity in invoices. And that's for whatever interval your company determines. And that makes sense because your accounting system or ERP system should not let you inactivate a vendor that has an open PO or an unpaid invoice anyway. Now you can also include in the criteria payment activity and vendor record update activity since the whole purpose of the inactivation is to ensure that the information in your vendor master file is still valid and not stale. And so if the vendor has had a successful payment, it means that they must not have changed any of the vendor record data that affects payments. And if they have updated their vendor record, well, again, that's the purpose of the inactivation to force the update. And it's already been updated. Their vendor record's already been updated. So it doesn't matter if not all of the information has been updated. If it has been, if their vendor record has been updated recently, it's a good indicator that the vendor data is still valid, especially if they're able to also have successful payments. So you or your system has determined that you have a set amount of vendors that have not had purchase order, invoice, um, or payment activity or vendor record update activity in, let's say, 18 months. So you have this list of vendors and those vendors have been inactivated. Now, once you inactivate the vendors, I recommend that you communicate to the stakeholders. And these are folks that you know um, submit vendor requests. They submit POs. So this could be your procurement or your purchasing group and just communicate to them. I would post a list of vendor IDs and vendor legal name. It doesn't, does not need to include any SPI data, meaning the tax ID, the banking information or birth date in case of a foreign individual. Uh, Also, I would have available to to those uh, stakeholders have a cheat sheet or a reference to show them how to determine when they look in your accounting system or ERP if a vendor is active and encourage them um, to look that up prior to submitting a uh, requisition, prior to um, going in and trying to create a purchase order, or prior to sending an invoice in to be posted by AP. The other thing is I would also let them know the schedule for inactivation, whether it's going to be monthly, quarterly, biannually, or annually. And I didn't bring this up earlier, but you do need to determine how often that review for inactivity is going to be done. 
And in my experience, I've done those reviews on a monthly basis. And I've also done those reviews on an annual basis and sometimes within the same company, because if you have multiple ERPs or accounting systems, maybe you have a small volume in, you know, one accounting system, but a large volume in another ERP. And in that ERP, it can be automated. So that's easy to make that a monthly process. But in the accounting system, where it can be automated and it's going to have to be a manual review and maybe the vendor count or volume is not that high, an annual or a semi-annual review would be appropriate. But the point here is, is that accounts payable vendor maintenance does not work in a vacuum. So just make sure you're communicating to your stakeholders, the vendors that have been inactivated, make sure they know how to um, look in the system to determine if a vendor is active or inactive. And then also just let them know what your schedule is for inactivation. Make sure they know when those reviews will be done. So you've inactivated your vendors, you've communicated that out to your stakeholders, and now your vendor master file is cleaner and there is less opportunity to pay the wrong vendor because your vendor master file contains less vendors. It's also less potential to create a PO or post an invoice or generate a payment with invalid vendor information because now those vendors have the status of inactive in your vendor master file. Okay, so I'm going to play the Jeopardy music. Do, 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 do. Now I couldn't play it. I had to hum it because I don't know anything about the copyrights for that music and I don't want to get in trouble, but that just represents that time has gone by and now your company wants to use a vendor that you inactivate it again. And that is great, but you're not going to just reactivate the vendor. You have to verify the information on the vendor record is still the same because remember, that's exactly why we inactivated the vendor record because we want to make sure that the vendor information is still valid. So this is why I say treat the inactive vendor the same as a new vendor. Now, what do I mean by that? Now, I don't mean that you need to create a new vendor record. You already have a vendor record and you don't want to create duplicate vendors. You only want to ensure that the information on the inactive vendor record is still valid. So same vendor record, same vendor ID, but you will treat it as a new vendor because you are going to one, request the same supporting documentation that you would a new vendor. This means the W-9, this means the banking uh, details, if they wanna be paid by direct deposit or ACH. This means collecting the invoice or a copy of the contract if the remit address is not the same as the W-9. Again, we're revalidating everything on the vendor record and in order to validate, you have to have supporting documentation. And you will get some pushback from either the internal employee or the vendor, right? And I can kind of see where they're coming from. They have a mission. They need to get the PO out, for example, or they need to submit the invoice because the vendor needs to get paid now. And they know the vendor is in the system and we've paid them before. So why can't you just reactivate the vendor to process my request? And so I get that part. I, I get where they're coming from. 
time. But again, you need to stick to your guns and require the same documentation as you do a new vendor setup. And if you include the requirements to reactivate a vendor in your documented process, then that policy or documented process can be used as a reference and support for the requirement. And one of the biggest pushbacks that, that I've received is the W-9 form because we collected the W-9 form when we set the vendor up. And the expectation from the internal uh, employee is that we can just use that W-9. But you and I know that that's not always the best thing to do, especially since the IRS has updated that W-9. And I did look this up. They have updated the W-9 20 times since 1983 and you always want to collect the most up-to-date version and one great example of that is the 2014 revision of the w-9 form that included the FATCA certification for the first time and that FATCA statement was proof that your vendor identified themselves as being exempt from FACA reporting. So again, you and I know that you just need to make sure you convey that to the internal employee and also the vendor if necessary in order to collect a new W-9. And the internal employee or the vendor, their contact at the vendor may also try to give you that original W-9 that they you, that they submitted to you in the first place. And if you listen to episode 15 of the podcast or my blog that same week, um, which was last week, I believe it was January 24th, you know that that was one of the things I found when implementing the portal that the internal employees that have the relationship with the vendors, they keep that supporting documentation for just such an occasion. So if you ask for it, they can whip it out, but you don't want that data. You want them to go back and have that conversation with the vendor because only then may they tell you, oh yeah, we did change our tax ID that you won't catch if they're dealing with purchasing or contracts, because if they don't include the tax ID on the contract, all they're really looking at is matching the legal name. So if there's been a tax ID change, you won't catch it unless you ask the internal employee to go back to the vendor or unless you reach out to the vendor and ask them for an updated W-9. And after the W-9, you definitely want updated banking details on your company branded ACH form or on the vendor's letterhead if the vendor has direct deposit or requests uh, ACH payment. Okay, so now you have all of the required vendor supporting documentation. And so the next thing you're going to do is you're going to validate. So you're going to require the same validations as a new vendor. And that means the IRS 10 match. And that's with the W-8, the W-9. You want to verify that there have been no changes to the legal name or tax ID. So you don't have to worry about future IRS penalties or interest 
or having to back up withhold if when the IRS sends out the data um, for their B notices and the vendor does not respond. So again, validating that up front to make sure that the vendor legal name and tax ID is still valid saves you headaches down the line. And you also want to make sure that you check the exclusion list to ensure that they have not been added to those lists since you originally added the vendor to your vendor master file. And so that's OFAC for the specially designated nationals list. It's OIG in case you are a healthcare entity or SAM in case you are a government entity. But it's all based on exclusion lists that are applicable to your company. So if they're other validations that you do as part of your vendor ad process, then you also want to do them here. And if you need a vendor validation reference list, I do have one. Um, on my site, DebraRRichardson.com, you can sign up or subscribe to my email list for weekly content, subscriber-only discounts, and occasional bonuses. February 1st, last Friday, I pulled a subscriber random drawing for a putting the AP and happy coffee mug. So congrats, Debbie K. So you can download this reference that has validation resources and the links to those sites so you or your team can perform those validations. And the resources are categorized by the vendor supporting documents that you get the information from to validate. So go ahead and download that on my site if you haven't done so already. So now you've collected the vendor supporting documentation you have done your validations. And if you find that there has been a change to the legal name or the tax ID or both, I'll put a link to last week's blog so you can see how to treat the vendor record in each of those scenarios. But let's say you don't find any issues, you uh, make the applicable updates, you reactivate the vendor, you're using the same vendor ID, the next step is to send a notification after that vendor record has been reactivated. And this just lets the vendor know that their vendor record has been reactivated and if any information has changed. And be sure to include how the vendor can contact your team back if they did not initiate the change or update. And I do have a blog post on sending confirmations or notifications to the vendor when their vendor record is updated. And I'll put a link to that blog post. Now, the last thing is if you include a welcome letter for your new vendors, um, you can send this out too, especially if since the last time they did business with your company, processes such as how or where they submit their invoices have changed, or even if your processes haven't changed, it's still a good refresher for those vendors that have been inactive because they haven't done business with your company in a while. Okay, so now for a recap. Treating inactive vendors the same as new vendors. Now, it doesn't mean creating a new vendor record. It means reactivating the existing vendor record, but requiring the same supporting documentation as a new vendor, doing the same validations as a new vendor, 
It also means you need to send notifications after the vendor record is reactivated and that's because they're an existing vendor. And lastly, you can send them a welcome letter that is a refresher for your processes, for example, of how to submit an invoice or it'll notify them of any changes since they last did business with you. Now, if you have a vendor self-registration portal, the same will apply except the vendor and the portal will do the work and the validations. There are some portals that have continuous monitoring and that information may have been updated and the vendor record may then never go stale as long as that new information or validation dates make their way over to the accounting system or ERP through integration or digital solution and also that there is a way to audit the validations and honestly this podcast is being recorded early 2019 and in the fourth quarter of 2018 an AP solutions company survey indicated that only 24% of companies have vendor self-registration portal. And combined with the fact that many portals differ in their functionality, continuous monitoring and portal to ERP integration is still growing. So I'd be happy to hear from listeners who have a vendor self-registration portal and have changed their inactivation process because, because of it. Do you inactivate both the portal vendor record and the vendor record in the accounting system or ERP? Do you perform the inactivation in the portal, then send the accounting system or ERP the status or vice versa? So if you can leave it in the comments or better yet, email me at Deborah at DebraRRichardson.com and maybe you can be a guest and we can discuss vendor inactivation process changes as a result of vendor self-registration portal implementation. That'd be a great podcast. And we won't talk third-party vendor names. We won't talk uh, companies. We'll strictly talk process. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, the podcast is now on SoundCloud and you can also listen via Amazon's Alexa. So that now makes eight platforms to choose from to listen. So the podcast is on Deborah rrichardson.com. It's also on YouTube in case you didn't know. Um, it's on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and now SoundCloud and Amazon's Alexa. So how do you listen on your Echo or Echo Dot? You start off in the Alexa app. So here are the five steps. The first step is you select the hamburger icon in the top left-hand corner. The second step is to select skills and games. The third step is when you get into skills and games, there'll be a search bar and you want to search for any pod, A-N-Y-P-O-D, any pod. When that search results come back, there will be a button to enable any pod and you want to click that button. Once you click that, you will enable AnyPod and you will be able to, in your fifth step, ask Alexa, play the Putting the AP in Happy podcast. 
Now for me, she found something else first. And I said, no, it, when she asked if that was it, then she asked if I wanted to keep searching. And I said, yes. And then she found it and played the most recent episode. So two times was the charm for me. And I hope this was easy, as easy for you as it was for me. And that you find listening to all your favorite podcasts with an Alexa command puts the AP in happy for you. Thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 16th episode of putting the AP in happy podcast where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for links to the blog posts mentioned in this podcast. If you want more training or if you would like to download the vendor validation reference list, go on over to DebraRRichardson.com and there you'll be able to download the reference list. You can take a look at other blogs and podcasts and you can get more information on my training and e-guide on the three-step vendor setup and maintenance process, authentication, validation, and management. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy.